everyone. Welcome to Hearts of Men this Monday morning, May 24th. We are here today, as always, hoping to bring you raw, real, and relevant information and truth that will help define your journey of authentic manhood. Today we're going to talk about Generation Z, and we're going to learn a bit about them and what we can do as Generation Xers or Millennials and maybe even some baby boomers that listen. All right, let's jump right in, guys. Thank you so much for being here. Okay, so if you listen to episode 12 of season two last week on the Father's Blessing, um, I would like you to just shout out right now, wherever you're at, Let's hear your voice. Come on, if you enjoyed that episode, if it was meaningful to you, we got a lot of uh, good response from that episode, and I believe that it's one of the most significant things to talk about and to receive and walk in in our day. And uh, receiving the Father's blessing, um, receiving the affirmation we talked about from your earthly father. And you know what? The good news is if you don't have that, that kind of a father, then we have a heavenly father who speaks and gives that kind of affirmation to his sons. And so um, if you're joining us today, it's the first time that you've listened to Hearts of Men, welcome. We do have, this is the second season. We have season one with about 50 episodes that you can go back to, and I hope you can listen to some of them. Most of them are about 30 minutes in length, and there are some interviews on there as well. So um, today, I want to talk a little bit about Generation Z and what we can know about them and what we can do about them and how we can reach them. You know, uh, I'm a father, and I have at least two generation Zers because they are typically uh, born between 1996 and 2010. And so my oldest was born in 2007. My second oldest was born in 2010. And so if that's the cutoff point, then I have at least two screenagers. That's <laughs> what they're calling them. Oh my goodness. So, um, you know, um, I think it's, it's really important. This is something, uh, that has been on our heart. We actually, the past week and a half or so, I told you about the send in Kansas city, this large event in Arrowhead stadium that by and large focused on generation Z focused on, on how we can reach them for Christ, how we can influence them, how we can speak into their life, um, and all that good stuff. And then my good friend, Stephen Ruales from Quito, Ecuador was with us this past weekend. He's 25 year old. So technically he's a millennial, but a lot of his ministry focuses on reaching generation Z through TikTok and Instagram, social media, YouTube shorts. And so he was able to do kind of a, a workshop with a number of us on Friday, of just what it might mean to get informed about Generation Z. You know, I'm 45. Technically, I'm a Generation Xer, so after the baby boomers. And um, I was born in 1976. 
And so after me comes the millennials. And I believe if you are like the ages to, what is it? Something like, you know, 24 to about 35, eight, somewhere in there. Um, then you are, are, are considered, or maybe if it's, it's, you know, 22 to 35, somewhere in there, anyhow, consideration, uh, considered a, a, um, a millennial. And, uh, if you were born, um, from 96 to 2010, most people that are 18 and under are, uh, generation Zers. So anyhow, it sounds confusing. I know, but generation to generation, why is it significant to talk about and understand current generations? I think it's significant on, on many reasons. I think if your parents, and specifically um, a lot of this podcast is speaking to dads, we um, really started this podcast for the expressed purpose of talking about biblical manhood, about authentic manhood, what it is. And, and really sort of dealing with separating that oftentimes from church cultures, traditions of men, things that we've grown up in that aren't necessarily helpful to defining manhood and to true um, Jesus fleshing it out, how he lived it out, what we see in the New Testament, um, what we can learn from the Bible as it pertains to manhood and how, how we deal with all of this in the current culture that we live in. So um, I think it's important because we want to, not only as parents, understand uh, what they are growing up and what our kids are growing up and the kind of pressures, the the things that are um, that they're dealing with that might be different from what we dealt with when we were teenagers. Um, so yeah. So you've heard of Generation Z. If you're my age um, or even younger, you you might have some Generation Zers in your home. And uh, if you're, you know, older than me, and uh, you're, you know, your 50s and 60s, and your kids are in college or beyond that, then you understand millennials. But um, let me just give you a a few interesting, you know, um, findings, a few facts. Um, but you know, generally speaking, they're the new kids on the on the block. Um, despite what some believe, today's children and teenagers are not just young millennials. They are part of a completely new generation. So, as I said, Generation Z are children and youth born between '96 and about 2010. Uh, though there is some debate um, on the specific date ranges, some even extended to 2015, but most agree they were born after 1990. Uh, there are about 1.8 billion Gen Zers worldwide, the largest youth population ever, ever. They make up 25.9% of U.S. population. And uh, research on this new generation so far has centered primarily on market and educational research. So as I mentioned earlier on, uh, they are known as the screenagers, 57% use smartphone four or more hours a day. Four or more hours per day. Over half of Generation Zers are on their smartphones at an early age. Oftentimes, uh, ages 10, 11, 12, 12, 13, 14, they're given iPhones. 
So they're on those phones for more than four. That's that's astronomical when you think about it. They daily interact with three to five screens compared to one to two for millennials. There is eight hours of total electronic exposure daily. 94% of 18 to 24-year-olds watch YouTube. 57% of teens have met a new friend online. There is a lower attention span, 8 seconds, <laughs> down from 12 seconds in 2000. They communicate with images, photos, emojis, GIFs, etc. They're concerned for the planet. Uh, they want to create media, not just view it. They want to create it. They want to be a part of the story. Uh, they don't just want to see someone else's story. That's why there are so many influencers. That's why there are so many YouTubers that have started their own video channels. And um, they prefer snackable content. Think social media-sized content, okay? So if you are uh, someone who is versed in TikTok, then you understand that making something under a minute is what you're looking at, okay? This generation does not enjoy long, drawn-out conversation. They want it quick, fast, and to the point, all right? They are open-minded, and they are empowered to change institutions, including the church, so um, as researchers learn more about Gen Z, they're discovering more interesting statistics regarding their faith and religious practices. 78% of Generation Z believe in God and 41% attend weekly church services. However, they have a pluralistic ideology and a superficial theology. In addition, they are twice as likely as adults to be atheists. They have a hard time believing in a good God who would allow evil and pain in the world. This right here is a major, major, major hang-up for a lot of Gen Zers. The question of why would a good God allow suffering and allow evil in a world? And for many of them, because they have not been able to answer that question or have not been given satisfactory answers from church leaders, they, in turn, have decided to become agnostic, you know, a person who believes there's a higher power, but that higher power is not directly engaged and is directly care or relatable, um, or an atheist who does not believe at all in the existence of a higher power or a God or a, un, uh, an uncreated being who created the universe. And... uh Excuse me, uh, you've excused my voice. I lost my voice a few days ago and I've been slowly gaining it back. So that's why I sound different today. Uh, you know, according to Barna, a, does a lot of research, the worldwide, uh, the worldview of Generation Z is post Christian. You know, Barna defines post Christian in terms of declining spiritual indicators such as church attendance, belief in God, prayer, and Bible reading. And the percentage of people with a biblical worldview declined with each generation. You know, boomers, 10%, Gen X, 7%, millennials, 6%, Gen Z, all the way down to 4%. So 4% of Gen Zers um, have a biblical worldview. So, um, 
you know, how can we connect with Generation Z and help today's young people develop maturing faith? Uh, I think partly uh, several things that I that I want to suggest or highlight. I think the answer lies in a commitment from pastors, youth pastors, church leaders to focus on three things. Relationship, relationships, number one. Second, parents, parents of Gen Zers. And thirdly, integration into the local church, all right? So um, relationships, you know, I'll be honest, relationship is the bread and butter to everything. Relationships in every generation is key. We're Here's the thing, guys. Yes, there are changes from generation to generation, but you guys know what? That we're all created out of the same dust. We're all created out of the same material. God created us, I believe, in original design. I believe we are created by God, and I believe in the Genesis narrative that he created Adam and Eve and in that process, they were given DNA, they were given a heart, they were given feelings, they were given emotions, they were given a mind, all of these things. Our body is so intricately designed, it's amazing, it's so fascinating. You know, if you were to just study science and the DNA of, of our, our makeup, it would be enough to cause you to be in awe and wonder for a lifetime of how intricately designed our human body is, our human soul, mind, body, and spirit. And we were created with an innate desire for deep relationships. And yet most of us, really all of us, have grown up in broken, in a broken culture, in broken families. And yet there has never been as much fatherlessness as there is currently and we have been seeing this, and I'm speaking in America, but really globally. And so relationships, not programs, not just tasks or things to do to accomplish um, are important to this generation, but relationships. So here's the thing, guys. Jesus always emphasized relationships. You know that when he called his disciples in Matthew 4.19, I mean, think about this for a minute. Is this been your experience when you went to church? Was this how you grew up? Was this the way that you were introduced to Christ? Was it through a intimate relationship? So when Jesus called his disciples, it was a relational invitation. He said, follow me. What do you think that meant? When he said, follow me, he literally meant, hey, come walk with me, come live with me, Let's spend time together, like 24-7 kind of time together. Let's get to know each other. I'm going to get to know you. You're going to get to know me. We're going to eat together. We're going to hang out. We're going to burp together. We're going to fart together. We're going to do all of the stuff, man. We're going to crack jokes together. We're going to get irritated together. We're going to bug each other together. Do you know what I'm saying? This is real life, and oftentimes most people have, have an image of church. Why go to this polished place on a Sunday morning you know, and it's not relatable. It's not relatable to the rest of my life because the rest of my life with my family or, or at school or, you know, uh, in, in the broken relationships that, that I uh, exist around is not, they're not polished. They're not neatly packaged. You know, they're not an order of service. <laughs> it's raw and it's messy and it's something that cannot be easily solved or fixed. 
in a two-hour setting on a Sunday morning in our current sort of landscape of church culture. <coughs> Excuse me. And so um, Jesus' Jesus's invitation was an invitation to be in relationship with him. You know, and I will say this. In fact, if we're talking about reaching Generation Z, <coughs> true discipleship can only take place in the context of relationships. You understand that? Jesus discipled people that were in close relationship to him. In other words, you can't just invite people to a one-hour-a-week class. <clears throat> I'm really sorry. I'm struggling here, but this is important. And um, you can't just invite people to a one-hour class and expect them to follow Jesus. No, it doesn't work that way. Unfortunately, that's how most of the church has viewed discipleship. But here's the thing, like, we as, as pastors and church leaders, we have to be willing to take the time to develop caring and nurturing relationships with students, with college students, with, with high school students. Um, you know, this guy named Richard Dunn calls this pacing. It means coming alongside young people in their journey through life. And pacing takes time. But it, it pays off. It really does pay off allowing you to enter the, the world of a young person and ultimately to demonstrate the love of Christ and to share the gospel, to, to sit down and talk with them, to ask them what questions they have of why they're wrestling with believing in God, why they feel he's distant and disconnected. <clears throat> and, um, you know, it's these God-centered relationships produce the the most fruit and ultimately produce faithful and mature disciples and i think that's really significant to note and guys i'm going to take a break and get a drink of water we'll be right back All right, guys, we are back. Thank you for your patience, and uh, that drink of water did help. So the second thing that we're talking about today, the first was a focus on relationships. When we're talking about how to connect with and how to reach uh, Gen Z, the significance of, of relationships, of, of caring about people's hearts, of, of pouring into them, of letting them know they matter, letting them know that, that you value them, and... The second thing I want to say is a focus on on the parents of Gen Zers. You know, really, if you think about it, the single most important influence um, on the religious and spiritual lives of of Gen Zers or adolescents uh, is their parents. And uh, this this means that leaders and pastors like myself need to influence the influencers. I mean, these are the original influencers, but so many of them are looking to role models in the culture which are terrible terrible role models um, men and women themselves who have grown up fatherless and these uh, these influencers do not ultimately influence 
this Gen Z, or the adolescents, in a way that is healthy, in a way that is beneficial, in a way that they can look up to and learn from. And so it is so, so, so important, okay, to the parents, all right, not only should leaders, youth leaders, should we in the church actually spend time with students, but also with parents. Man, this this focuses on discipling because there's a lot of parents, and even in my age range or younger, that don't know the Word of God. That themselves, they're not a part of a home group. They're not a part of a small group where they have deep, meaningful relationships. And so we have to find ways to to reach and serve parents. Um, ultimately, this the result of this is going to be a deeper and broader perspective on what it means to be in youth ministry. You know, because a lot of youth ministry is just focused on reaching the youth that are, you know, that are coming to youth group Wednesday night. But we need to be thinking about parents. And secondly, you know, I think not just... Um, so my kids, for example, my, my Gen Zers need to be influenced by other spiritual fathers and mothers, you know, and I believe this generation, you know, I was talking to my friend, Stephen, which I referred to earlier on. And, uh, one of the, the most compelling stories or testimonies he gave recently said, you know, the most meaningful time uh, of my life from when I came to the States. It wasn't college. It wasn't necessarily all the f- good friends I made in college or the experiences I had. He said it was three years that I lived with Papa Ron and Bonnie. Uh, Ron is an 86-year-old uh, amazing man of God, an amazing father, a spiritual father, a grandfather, a great-grandfather. <coughs> Excuse me. And he has invested in the life. They have invested in the lives of young people, of college students for years. And he said, you know, it was most significant because they taught me. He taught me how to be a man. He taught me how to do certain things that I didn't even know how to do, that my own parents didn't teach me. And we think that our parents are teaching our kids, but unfortunately, many parents are removed. Many parents are are disconnected rather than... um, involved rather than discipling and there is no greater discipleship man there's no greater mentoring (coughs) oh boy here we go than father to son father to daughter mother to son mother to daughter so i want to say that we got to focus on raising up spiritual fathers and mothers and then also focus on investing in parents of gen zers all right and uh again it's all about relationship the third thing I want to say is we have to integrate. We got to integrate students. We got to integrate high school students, middle school students, and college students into the local church. Here's the thing, guys. Here's the good news. Yes, the church is messed up. Yes, the church is broken. There are so many different denominations. There's so much disunity. There's all kinds of issues and conflicts. But the good news is this. Do you know the church is not any one denomination's idea? Do you know that the church is not ultimately man's idea, but it's God's idea? In other words, it's not a physical institution. It's not primarily brick and mortar. We are the body of Christ. The church is actually Jesus' idea. And he told 
Peter in Matthew 16. He says, you're Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not overcome it. I will give you authority to loosen and to bind a beautiful <clears throat> a beautiful passage on the power of his church, on what we're called to be, who we're called to be. We have the keys of authority, actually. Spiritually speaking, we have the keys of authority as the body of Christ, what's known as the ecclesia, okay? And this is so important because most of us have grown up going to church. That's our view of church. We don't look at it as an organic, a living, a vibrant, a active, a decentralized, mobilized group of people. You know, this is the way the church started in the early days. When I'm talking early days, I mean back to the early church in Acts 2 and Acts 4. They were known as the way because they were followers of Christ and they lived so radically different from the culture. They loved so radically that it was noticed by many. They were under persecution. They were generous. They were giving. They sacrificed for the good of the people. And they were known and they changed the world around them. They really did. They met every day in their homes, breaking bread, eating together, learning about God's word, praying together. And so we often refer to when we integrate generation Zers into the church, you know, it says in Acts 2, 42 through 44, it says and they were devoted to four things. To They were devoted, devoted to the apostles' teaching or the word of God. They were devoted to fellowship, to true community. <clears throat> they were devoted to breaking bread or communion centered around Christ, and they were devoted to prayer. When we break down those four, those four components, that's what we're integrating people into. We're giving them ownership. You know, um, so integrating youth, integrating them into community <coughs> is so significant. So, I'm going to have to leave it at that, guys. I'm struggling, but I want you to know that I felt it was important to get on today, even in my uh, the context of not feeling that great, to bring you this word, this, this uh, important topic on Generation Z and how we can reach them. And so I hope it's meaningful to you. If you're a parent, um, if you're a Gen Z or yourself, I want you to know that we care about you. We love you. Your life matters. Your life is valuable. You have purpose. There's purpose for your life. And um, I'm committed. You know, our church, uh, we just revealed a new name. We're going to be named Ascend Church. And uh, Psalm 24, 3 says, Who may ascend the mountain of the Lord? He who has clean hands and a pure heart, who has not lifted up his soul to an idol or sworn deceitfully, such as the generation who will receive blessing from the Lord, the ones who seek the God of Jacob. You know, it's all about ascending together in worship. It's all about knowing who we are. It's all about our purpose and our identity in Christ. And so anyhow, my church, we're committed as, as best as we can to pour into relationally, to disciple this generation, to give them ownership, to let them lead, to help them, to come alongside them, <laughs> maybe to teach them even to how to make up their bed or how to do dishes. Unfortunately, some 
menial tasks that many in this generation have not done. Maybe their parents did it for them or they did not have a mom or a dad around to do it. So we need to father and mother this generation as best we can. We're called to be responsible to win this generation for Christ. This is Hearts of Men. Once again, thank you so much for being a part of this story as we continue to bring you significant truth that will alter and provoke and inspire you in your journey, wherever you're at. Hey, guys, have a great day, and we'll be back next week. Again, share the love. We'll be right back.